Even if it feels impossible at this moment, I want you to know that it is possible to rebuild trust, to create the safety and to restore intimacy to your marriage. I'm not saying it's going to be easy or simple, and I can't even promise that your trust will never be broken again. But I am saying that it is possible. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 65, and we're going to be talking about restoring trust in your marriage. Before we get there, we had one of our listeners entrust us with his approval mm-hmm. in the form of a five-star rating on iTunes, which says, These two are great. I love the sense of humor threaded within serious topics from Doom Dad. So thank you, Doom Dad. Mm-hmm. Hope he's not a Doom husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, every review we get is an encouragement to us and actually makes our podcast more visible in iTunes as well. And that helps us reach a wider audience, which is why we ask you for them and why we appreciate you so much. And it's also encouraging to us. Yeah, it just makes us feel good. Gives us the warm fuzzies. We like warm fuzzies. Yeah. We're talking today about how to get back to warm fuzzies. Basically, after a betrayal. Yep. So, you know, I think because of our humanity and the fact that we all sin, it's probably safe to say that in every human relationship, without exception, there are moments of betrayal. Yeah. And I think this has been happening for millennia. I think even of the words of King David in Psalm 41 and 9. Mm Mm-hmm. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So he felt betrayed. Yeah. So we're not saying like, you know, suck it up, buttercup. It happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. But seriously, we want to say that if you're listening to this today, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And maybe this betrayal happens on a huge spectrum. You know, it might be a small one. It might be a huge one. Yep. It still happens. Yep. And even Jesus Christ, he was betrayed. And if you're a believer, he's your great high priest. He understands. He's been there. Yeah. So there's comfort in that. Yeah. But we hope that what we have to say today will be a comfort to you as well and help you to figure out how to move forward after a betrayal, because that's what we all want is to move forward. You know, there's no magic pain relief for these types of things, but you want to get traction, get moving again. Yeah. And there may be no blow as severe as a betrayal. We all feel that keenly as humans but it doesn't mean it has to be fatal to your marriage. So we're going to speak to the injured party during this podcast episode. That's the party that has been betrayed. But I have a special recording to go along with this episode that's available separately for the injurer or the betrayer, the person who has done the hurting. Yes. So if you have been betrayed, keep listening. But if you have betrayed your spouse, you want to make things right, you can keep listening. But I also have a separate recording for you where I give you specific strategies to help you reconcile things with the spouse that you've betrayed. And you can receive a link to to download or listen to that recording by texting the word podcast to 9292 spouse. Message and data rates may apply. Once again, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse. Follow the instructions there and I will email you a link to this downloadable recording. Okay, so if you've been betrayed, let's talk a little about the process you're going to go through. And uh, I think we need to point out here, like, of course, everybody's own journey is always unique. Yep. So I think what you're going to say, it's like typically what you can see. Yeah. 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 So if you don't fit these, it doesn't mean you haven't been betrayed. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. I kind of like 
took half your point, and then I realized that I couldn't say the rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll just keep rolling with this. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's journey is unique, as you mentioned. Brenda. <laughs> Even though you just betrayed me by taking my point. Okay, well. So here's. I tip- think we shouldn't belittle it, though. No, like, it's not funny. No, it's funny when we screw up, but this level of screw up is when not you funny. Screw up. <laughs> That's not funny when I screw up. <laughs> not not the way you look. Okay, How do I look? look at me. I mean. So let's keep moving here. So here's typically what I see when I'm working with couples in distress. Following the disclosure of an extramarital affair or perceived abandonment or disclosure of a pornography addiction or even major changes of lifestyle and values and even religion. So generally there are three phases and this aligns with research from Olson and his colleagues uh, that was done in 2002 where they, they helped identify this model. Number one, roller coaster. Number two, moratorium. Number three, trust building. So, isn't a moratorium where you like bury people? No, that's a mortuary. Oh, yep. So we're gonna unpack these three. Okay. And we're not gonna bury anybody, <laughs> even though we may feel like doing that. Stage one is roller coaster. So there's there's no surprises here. The researchers wrote that what they were observing was initial responses to a partner's disclosure of infidelity were often intensely emotionally charged. Of course. Yep. And I see folks here swinging between severe grief, numbness. The thoughts of murder or escape or just wanting to get away. There's often a lot of confrontation and anger being expressed, and there's a flood of conflicting emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, should I forgive? I know I'm supposed to love him, but right now I hate him. And, and there's just kind of this whirlwind going on. Yeah. Or even like, I want to get revenge and do the same thing, but you know how wrong it was and how much it hurt, and you don't And really... then you'll be like him. Yeah. 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 So these are all kind of mixing around in there, right? And this business of conflicting emotions is around wanting to get past it, but refusing to, wanting revenge by doing the same thing as you mentioned, but hating what has been done. All that kind of stuff is part of this, right? So in any case, there are very strong feelings going on during this stage. And you can see why, because of that, mm-hmm. it's called the roller coaster, because it's interspersed with periods of calm or, you know, things do relax, but then just like that, and it goes Trigger. again. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going through this roller coaster stage, I believe the important part here is being willing to express those things to trusted confidants, a counselor, a church leader you can trust, and to your spouse who has injured you. So he mm-hmm. or she needs to see your pain. You're allowed to feel it. And you should and be allowed you should be allowed to express it. Okay. Okay. So that's part of the building trust thing is letting them see your pain. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Stage two is moratorium, not mortuary. <laughs> I think it's called something torium. Something torium. Remember where you Bury people above the ground? Yeah. We'll have to look that up after we get off the show. Oh, it's going to bug me. Uh-oh. Okay. So moratorium is when when the emotional reactivity kind of slows down a bit and you, you find yourself trying to make meaning of the betrayal, you've moved into the moratorium stage. So it typically involves quite a bit of obsessing about details, retreating or even pulling back from your spells physically and emotionally, and recruiting the support of others to try to make meaning of the betrayal. I'm still in the graveyard. You're still in the graveyard. Okay, I'll yep. keep going. Yeah. So I guess the part here where I want to issue a cautionary note is the obsessing about details, particularly if it was a sexual betrayal. Mm-hmm. Because this question does come up, how much should I know? How many questions I ask? And often the endless pursuit of details happens because that's easier than talking about those facts than the feelings of the betrayal. Oh, okay. 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 But so don't you think all those facts would just make you feel worse? Well, exactly. But there's still kind of a, basic set that you need, which I'm going to go into because you need to feel safe. Right. Yeah. So is my, is my spouse still in a situation where this is going to reoccur? 
Because part of rebuilding the trust is knowing that the circumstances that led to whatever, that he's not in those same circumstances or she every day still. Okay. Right. Otherwise, how can I be confident? Right. Yeah. So in the case of an affair, this is from Weeks and Treat, uh, who wrote a book on, on couples treatment related to affairs. This is what they assert that you should probably know. Number one, who the extramarital partner was. Number two, how long the affair lasted. Number three, how often they meet or met. Number four, where they met. Okay. So those things. Anything more than that, they say, is more obsessing about the facts, which is taking away from feelings, which is the part we really need to address. Yeah. So if you start getting all sorts of voyeuristic details from your betraying spouse, you'll create memories and images you don't need that'll be difficult for you to overcome. So if you find yourself going down this pathway as a betrayed spouse, I want you to stop and think about what you are feeling and about what you need. What am I feeling? Mm -hmm. What do I need right now? Yeah. Which is probably the reassurance that your spouse wants to work on the marriage, still finds you attractive and lovable, and has severed the other relationship. Yeah. I think I would need to know that, you know, those four things, who the doors it was, closed. how long, where and often, how often they met, yeah. that those were gone. Yes. It, to rebuild to, trust. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, I don't feel exactly. safe. Exactly. So learn to get those things that you need to feel safe. This is about what you need. Yeah. And be more vocal about that. And then focus on feelings, not facts, because you have to process the feelings. This is such a significant okay. emotional event in your life. You can't just brush over this with even packaging it behind, you know, a spiritual band-aid of forgiveness. Okay. And I mean, just like, you know, what? I've forgiven you. I'm over it. Let's just move on. It never happened. And it's like three weeks after the, the affair, right? That's too fast. It's too quick. That's, that's just shoving just something down. It, it yeah. is. Now you do need forgiveness, which we talk about, but okay. I'm just saying don't hide behind that. Right. Okay. Then try to skip the hard work you need to do. Yeah. Okay. So that was the I second stage e moratorium. Sorry. I think it'd be easier to do that yeah. than like, it's going to hurt to go through all those feelings yes. and to think about, you know, yes. my spouse was with someone else and. Yes. Ay, yeah. Ay, ay. yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I that's good, Verlinda. Stage three is trust building. Okay. So this takes a while. It's really a long and difficult process here, depending on the nature and extent of the betrayal. But even at that, there's some parts that I really want you to think through. Okay. Okay. The first part is of this trust building sequence. And there's five parts here. The first is re-engaging. So there, okay. there's isolation brought about between each spouse due to the moratorium because they've pulled back. They've kind of put things into the freezer for the moment. Right. Can you tell me what moratorium is again? Moratorium was the previous stage where the emotionality has slowed down. Yeah. And you just kind of backed off. And you've just established the basics of oh, the affairs. You're, you're trying making to, meaning of it all. You're making meaning. Yeah. Okay. 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 So that's a lot of processing going on there. Yeah. During that time. So you could. So you might withdraw. Yeah. You're going to okay. internalize and, and you're going to struggle with ruminating and all that stuff too, right? Yeah. So re-engaging is, is where you want to start to bring yourself back towards your spouse. Okay. And if the couple is open to rebuilding their marriage, Okay. This aspect of re-engaging comes out when they start experiencing greater dialogue and openness in the relationship. So this could be like not just dialogue about the betrayal yeah. or whatever broke the trust, but just about the relationship in general? Yes. Like the relationship problems that led up to the breach of trust. So, oh, so this is specifically let, about... Let me generalize about affairs then, right? So, so often affairs come from a place where a couple has grown apart. Okay. And one of them is missing intimacy and okay. goes and finds that somewhere else. Okay. And then because of the bombshell to the marriage, 
then they, because they've gone as well through this phase of going back and trying to understand in the moratorium period and making meaning of it, they realize that they've separated. And at some level, either consciously and expressed verbally or even subconsciously, if they're committed to rebuilding the marriage, they realize they're going to have to be more open with each other. And they realize that they've grown apart. And so they start talking honestly and openly to each other in ways that they never have before. This is once they're past the anger and everything else, right? Yeah. And so this is this re-engaging thing where they start to together to talk about why things went south. They start sharing more with each other during the day, bringing themselves more back in and opening up. Hmm. Even here, like both of them might be taking, like that I had a part to play in it. Yes. Okay. And that really leads us to our second point, which is ownership. Okay. And remorsefulness, right? So the injurer is typically expressing more remorsefulness during this stage and accepting responsibility for how their actions impacted the relationship. Okay. You might think that apologies are needed much earlier on, and they are, but they're not really believable until now, until this later stage. Mm. So the initial apologies might, they come across or they're perceived more as trying to minimize what happened. Like a cheap patch up. Yes. Gloss it over. Yes. So it's more in this later stage of trust building where they're more believable. Hmm. Okay. And often I see couples, as you said, the early apologies are seen as cheap or like an attempt to buy off the spouse. So the spouse is like, you want me to get over it just like that? Like you can say sorry and we're good to go? Okay. Like I don't think so. Yeah. So there's too much anger early on to really accept the remorse. Yeah. But once that has passed, the couple are starting to make meaning. Behaviors are starting to change and be maintained. Then the offended spouse is in a better place to hear and internalize that apology. Yeah. Okay. So the third part here to this trust building is that This is the right place for the offending spouse to start showing behaviors that demonstrate commitment to the relationship. Which look like? Well, there's usually that return of loving behaviors during this trust building stage. So this is where he or she might start to court his or her spouse again. That type of thing. Okay. Just the basic sort of goodwill tokens of affection. Okay. The fourth aspect of trust building was increased couples communication as... We unpacked a little bit earlier as part of that re-engaging. This leads to greater intimacy. And the final aspect of this third trust-building stage is forgiveness. Okay. Oh, you talked about that before. Yeah. So if you've been offended and betrayed, you've lost faith in your spouse, this is not something you can rush as the person who has been betrayed. But it is a very necessary part of your own recovery as the betrayed spouse. You know, it's hard to find ways to forgive the betrayer, but it's important for your healing and at the same time, really, really hard. Yeah. 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 What a huge subject. Yeah. it's And that's where we need to understand because people struggle with this idea of forgiveness, right? It's usually not just one decision to forgive and then you're good to go. Although okay. it may be sort of mediated by a crisis moment where you decide, am I going to keep hating or am I going to start to forgive? Okay. Right? But it's more something that you'll need to revisit. And I typically ask couples to think of this as more of a process where they're exchanging within themselves hard, bitter feelings like anger and bitterness for softer, deeper feelings like sadness over the loss of, you know, the ideal relationship and other things that they perceived before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this isn't like a one-time thing and then you beat yourself up like, why am I feeling this way? Because I already forgave them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself if the hard feelings come back. That's evidence that, this, that you're in a process. Right. Which is, it's good that you're in the process. Right. Yeah. 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 You want to be in that process. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And that, again, this is research from Olson and his colleagues. So one one thing to note here that may be helpful for you as a betrayed spouse is to write a letter. If you're the letter writing type, 
saying that you're in the process of resolving, forgiving, and letting go of the hurt and anger towards your spouse. And this letter is a snapshot in time of your process going through all this. So you should express what you do not forgive or are not able to let go of and why it's difficult for them, for you to resolve the injury that's happened. This is where I'm at right now. So you so write this to your spouse. Yeah. You're keeping your spouse informed, right? And it's okay. Oh. So this is actual letter you're going to give them. It's not like yeah, journaling. No. Okay. It's okay to feel those feelings. This is from Greenberg and colleagues, this research, and he's done a lot of work in the, in the area of emotionally focused couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And this is part of what they go through to help the spouses make meaning and to process and to move forward. Hmm. Okay. It's one of the interventions that they use. So in this letter where you're describing these things, you want to express what you presently need from your spouse to help you let go of the anger and the hurt and to forgive. Or So what might that look like? Like, here's what I need from you? Yeah. Well, I think... You know, couples, a spouse that's been betrayed will stop and acknowledge that. So it may be like some actual behaviors or commitments to certain. Like I won't visit this coffee shop anymore. Right. Or, okay. I will take all of the internet off my phone. Okay. I need you to not be in this place or not. I need you or... to inform me in the evenings just for a while until okay. I feel calm again. Exactly what you're doing. Okay. Or when you're out on. On sales calls, you're traveling for a couple of days. I want updates every hour or two hours, something like that. It's reasonable okay. because the betrayer has betrayed trust to expect a higher level of monitoring until that can be sort of settled back out and the trust is rebuilt. Then, you know, the person who has been betrayed can lower these or should be lowering these requirements. Hmm. Yep. I'm just thinking though, like in a relationship where betrayal hasn't happened, that seems over the top. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that seems yeah. so controlling. Yeah. But if they have broken that trust, right, there should be a willingness. Then the spouse has every right to know. Yes, and often the fear is though that this is going to keep going. It's what it's going to look like forever. But it's like, no, I'm just going to give you a very clear picture to the part of my life that you can't see, so that you know that I'm not continuing to always live as a betrayer. Right. But I'm doing I'm building here right things, and hmm. I'm making myself uh, visible. Yeah. That type of thing. Okay. Now. If you're writing this letter and you've already let go of the hurt or anger or forgiven your spouse, then write about where you are emotionally now around the injury and whether you feel you're able to reconcile. Okay. So this might be a couple different letters, right? So this is further on. You know, you may have forgiven, but there's still the next step, which is kind of these, I treat these as two different things, forgiveness and reconciliation. There's still the next step of saying how ready you are to have your marriage go back to what you thought it was before or even better. And really, really reconcile with one another. Okay. So all of this is with the intent, like, you know, if the details don't quite fit your situation, just get the concept here. It's with the, it's trying to help you identify where you are in your own process of forgiving as part of rebuilding trust. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Good. So I hope from this, we can see that rebuilding trust really is a process. It takes time. It goes through stages and it can be obviously very, very difficult at some of those times. Yeah. And I can't emphasize this forgiveness component enough. And I know that some of our listeners are going to tune into this. They may download it when they're searching on the internet or whatever. And it's right at the start of your crisis, possibly right after a major betrayal and forgiveness, you know, at that point seems so ridiculous to even consider. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to presume upon that or be insensitive towards that. And you know what? Maybe they have well-meaning people pressuring them to forgive. Absolutely. to forgive. Yeah. And we don't want to add to that pressure. No. So one thing from observing people is they come to a point where they want to offer forgiveness on their own. 
like from within themselves of okay. their own volition, they come to this point. Yeah. And, you know, if in working with these folks, if they never get there, I'm not going to persuade them anyways, because I didn't go through the betrayal. What right, right do I have to impose a requirement to forgive on them? Huh. But take the time you need. But just, I want you to remember this, that forgiveness is super valuable in serving to rebuild trust and rebalancing power in your couple relationship. And forgiveness is not about, it is in one sense, it's something you give to your spouse after they betrayed you. Mm -hmm. But really, if you never reconciled with your spouse for your own health and well-being, mm -hmm. you need to forgive. For yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Because it's your own internal healing that, that is the greatest result that comes out of forgiving. Mm -hmm. It's not letting your spouse off the hook. It's healing within you. Huh. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about it in past episodes too, how closely it's related to increases in marital satisfaction yep. and even that psychological closeness. Yes. So the research, this is not preaching. I mean, the, the Bible obviously supports this, yeah. but the research is right behind this as well. Yeah. That it's, it's so healthy uh, for a couple and so necessary for rebuilding trust, forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. So it's worth doing. Yeah. Okay. So we've primarily spoken to the injured party in this episode and I hope that's a help to you. This will all be written up in our show notes. If you want to digest this in written format, you can get those notes off our website by going to oyf.link slash 65 in your browser. If you are the injurer or the person who has broken the trust of your spouse, I've got more content for you. And you do have some work to do as well, for mm -hmm. sure, as you, as you know. I have a special recording to go with this episode for the injurer. And as I mentioned earlier... If you want this bonus recording, I, in it, I give you specific strategies to help you reconcile things with your spouse. They're not manipulative. They're just genuine, honest approaches. Yeah. So, and you can follow this advice. You can help them heal the wounds that you've opened. And you can receive a link to download or listen to that recording by texting the word podcast to 9292 spouse. Again, just text the word podcast to 9292 spouse. You can type that right into your phone and hit send. Follow the instructions in the text that come back to you, and I will email you a link to this downloadable recording. It'll give you some super valuable insights as to your role in rebuilding trust in your marriage. I think we can say too, though, like this is super confidential. What's super confidential? You know, like if someone downloads this, they can be sure that it's not going to go anywhere that they've downloaded this or, you know what I mean? Oh, that we're going to spread their email. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have, like a, we have a full-blown privacy policy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like two pages long. Really? Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah, you got it off a formal sort of legal site yeah. for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, exciting news here. Let's end on a positive note. Yes. Next week, we're interviewing Fly Lady. Fly Lady? Yeah. Is she a fly? No, she's a fly lady. Oh. <laughs> Does she fly? No, but she might as well have angel wings. Okay. So why should our listeners catch Fly Lady next week? Oh, because like this is down where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm in routines, in like housekeeping, in relationships, in like nice. it affects every area of life. Awesome. Super awesome. Okay. But that's all for today's episode. Yeah, I am putting you on the spot there because I listened and it is an excellent interview. She's kind of awesome. Anyways, you yes. can get the full show notes today of today's episode Yes. at oif.link slash 65. So remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages so we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who would also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. 
Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm having a few moments of silence. I know. Oh, shh. Even if it feels impossible at this moment, you I... popped impossible. Yeah, I'm just emphasizing the possibility. Well, perhaps <laughs> you should move your microphone down. Whoa. <laughs> All right, now I'm jealous of the microphone.